0: Hi, my name is Ujjwal. I am founder of Veldes. <music> celebrate unicorn valuations of startups. But what we really need to celebrate is when a startup generates a healthy return of investment for its investors and founders. In this episode of the Founder Thesis podcast, your host Akshay Dat is talking with Ujwal Jain, the founder of the fintech startup Wealthdesk. This episode is a celebration of a founder who raised less than $5 million and got acquired by a major fintech unicorn for $75 million. Wealthdesk is one of its kind platform that on the one hand helps retail investors to access high quality advice and on the other hand allows financial advisors to scale up their revenues. Listen on and if you like such insightful conversations with disruptive startup founders, then do subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app. So I did my engineering in computer science and I was always fascinated about working at the computer science and capital markets because at the seeds of that interest or purpose was sown was way back when I was in school, when I used to look at markets because my father used to trade a lot and I used to see how market prices went from back pages of newspaper to news feeds on news channels and then to on our mobile phone, phones. So I always looked at is driving all of that thing. and I started programming in very early class seven seventh grade so I was clear that I want to take up science and do and finally get a computer science seat in engineering and then eventually join a capital market focused business so that clarity was coming up gradually obviously it was not that clear but that intent was becoming clear the passion was coming out well so after my engineering I joined a wall street hedge fund d Shaw. fortunately it's run by computer scientists so d-shock is one of the technologically advanced hedge fund out of new york so I was fortunate enough to join that hedge fund which completely run with a computer science mindset, prime right from like fund management to investor relations. And I was part of the treasury team there and we were building ended up building in a post crisis when treasury became a very critical function. So I was involved building the core treasury platform which has a renewed focus post financial crisis in 2009. That's when I joined.
1: What is treasury and why did it become important post financial crisis?
0: So most of the hedge firms actually they, they trade in markets for, in their different fund structure through prime brokers. And prime Brokers when a very dedicated, there's a very comprehensive margin agreements around which their portfolios are marginal in the sense how much money you need to put to trade a particular instrument. So this prime brokerage agreements, which are called margin counterparty margin agreements, these are modeled by prime brokers because they are the taking the risk of the fund instruments portfolio. So what a smart hedge fund does make like a typical of DShaw scale, they also mimic this margin agreement that they are in so that they know their incremental capital cost when they're trading with these prime brokers or when they are through these prime brokers when they route their trainings, their security. So they know what is the incremental capital they have to deploy. And that becomes a very critical function to create alpha at the strategy level, at the fund management level.
1: What is the need for a margin? If I buy a stock, then that money is going out from my account. Now, if I buy, let's say, $1 million worth of Twitter stock. One million dollars goes out from my account. What is this margin?
0: No, no, no. So typically, in, in a prime brokerage relationship, especially with the hedge fund, when you buy a one million dollar of stock, you need not buy give one million dollars. So you can put, let's say, X percent, and the remaining is funded by the broker. And we are just talking about here. You are just talking about Twitter stock. Imagine complex listed options, futures, over the counter securities, which are modeled synthetically. Margining for these are very complex. For example, you can hedge a U.S. portfolio with let's say another. I'm Portfolio, so that hedging will give you capital advantage from a margining point of view. So globally, hedge funds have very complex margin agreements with their counterparties. where even margin of these portfolios you give at a global level, and the prime brokers ensure the regulatory margin requirement at different exchanges. For example, there's what there's something called span margin. It's a regulated requirement to put it at the exchange level for individual accounts and like what whichever account is trading. So all that uh, prime brokers take care in a, for a hedge fund prime broker regulation So as a hedge fund, what you do is to try to optimize your capital through when you're investing because then use leverage also as a very important factor to create alpha. So
1: just explaining with an example, like if I can get exposure to 1 million of Twitter stock by just putting in $100,000, then that my return on that $100,000 will be much higher because if Twitter moves by 1%, that 1% will become 10x because I am just putting one-tenth of that 1 million. So which is why this is important for a hedge fund.
0: Correct, correct. And H1, when they build their strategies, (laughs) leverage is one important factor because for a limited investment amount, mitigating their risk across all portfolios they amplify their returns by using leverage very aggressively. and prime brokers provide that services by bringing complex margin agreements which you can use to fund these portfolios and that is managed by treasury so it sits at the middle of front office middle office back up and post crisis became important because prime brokers were going through their liquidity crisis right so they wanted to increase margins and all that but if your agreement are well sorted out of what margin they should expect. You can reconcile well, and you are at the you can still continue to protect your capital. So it becomes important. So, interestingly, after 2013, our CCM entity got sponsored from D-Shaw where they independently opened this treasury platform for other hedge funds. So, imagine how technologically advanced this fund d uh, DSHA is that they ended up creating a new business as a technology business platform business for providing treasury platform to the others. So, I was part of that culture. This
1: would have been part of like a SaaS business. This.
0: Yes, yes. If you go and look at RCCM, it's a, it's a pl- platform service to other henchmen. Now, within Disha, there was an opportunity to actually move to Bombay for where the Disha was going into JV with the alliance industries, where the idea was to deploy and alliance treasury money with these fund management expertise into Indian markets. That's when I came to Bombay. First we used to do prop trading. Then we ended up doing institutional brokerage business. And that's when I got ex trading in this sense using the treasury capital to deploy in markets across different strategies. And that is the time when actually I got exposed to Indian capital markets as a professional. Like knowing Indian markets so closely from a business standpoint. And that's when my sense was that there's a massive market opportunity in India to build as a computer science guy to create great businesses, whether it is proprietary trading, whether it is brokerage business, whether it is wealth management, but whatever it is, it is a very good play. And not just B2C, even B2B also, you can do great things. So that was the confidence I got when I looked at Indian markets closely. And in between, we used, that the, the JV was shut down for some reasons. And then I was asked to move back to the treasury platform business, which we spawned on. But I decided to stay back in Bombay. And like again, a fortunate moment for us where I got, immediately I got an opportunity with the company, with the with MSCI. They are the Leading index provider in the world. So they actually...
1: Morgan Stanley.
0: Yeah, Morgan Stanley Capital International. Now it is called MSCI only. So they are the leading index providers. And index business is very different from hedge fund business. So hedge funds are very actively managed portfolios. While if you are building an index, you are passively creating a role-based strategy, tracking an index, which can be used by any fund to create ETS. For example, iShares, Vanguard's of the world do it. So I dis- I saw that there's a good opportunity to look at passive side. But again, passive businesses, especially index and businesses are again very heavily on tech because you're building everything on a technology platform, the rules, engines, everything runs on technology. So I joined that business and I could got exposed to passive business. Fortunately, I was part of launching some of the most modern, sophisticated index, uh, indices around factor investing, smart beta. Uh, carbon credits, low ESG indices
1: and all. And Does MSCI offer indices on Indian market or are these for global market products? Like in India, it's NSE 500, BSE, these are the indices, right?
0: Correct. So actually, MSCI has a global index in which India index is also part of that. So that's called Jimmy index. It is If you look at all the passive money globally that gets put in, deployed into Indian market, most of them comes to the MSCI index only, which is tracking India at a global level so that's the global part of it the Indian part of it I think custom Indian indices has been launched by MSA, but not that big because NSC BSC predominantly drive that market especially AMCs tend to open launch for the exchange indices right now because they are well-known and, and good, good domestic view around Indian world
1: recognized brands
0: yeah so when I was in MSCI that's where I actually started making Indian brokers and when management firms, EMCs, and try to understand the Indian landscape, like what could be done with a very long term view, because there's a massive market opportunity, not just the short term, but the long term, you can build great businesses out of India, completely technology-led. And Interestingly, at that point, I saw some green shoots. One is that uh, Zerodha was driving the entire broking plane led by technology, which was a completely different perspective of how a broker on a, in a Bombay book look versus how Zeroza was doing it. I could sense <laughs> that from a computer-sized mindset. The second was Sebi came up with their first regulation around investment advisory in 2013, which was around driving uh, product distribution in India under advisory model versus distribution model. So just to give you a, some sense, what it means is that if you buy a mutual fund, or invest in a stock, you most likely you will not don't pay anything for that because there's some commission that the distributor is getting in the back end. So there's a, this is called distribution model. For instance, if I send you that I will recommend you this product or I will provide value in your account, you pay me a fee, but I won't make any money on the tail side or the commission side. So that transition or that phase started with the RIA recognition where Sendi was clear that eventually in the client interest, advisory should scale up faster than distribution. And India largely, even today, there's a large market run by under distribution model versus advisory. So I realized that mutual funds will continue to penetrate under distribution model because penetration itself is the problem.
1: One, one quick recap. The distribution model, funnily, these people who are distributors are called financial advisors, right? Yeah. That, uh, so I just wanted to clarify that that for the listener so when you buy mutual funds through a financial advisor which means like it could be a bank employee or someone you know then he is earning some commission which is not transparent you are not aware of it whereas in the advisory model there is a money manager say it could also be a app i'm sure there could be some apps which charge you a fixed amount say i think et money has this now they've lost the product here so they charge an amount of fees for giving you the right advice on what to invest in and upda- giving you updated advice on a regular basis. And do they also provide execution support or they just are an advisor?
0: No, so you can provide as part of your advisor, you can provide execution support, but there has to be a very non-conflict way of making money from the So mm-hmm. on one side.
1: The transparency should be there. There the, should not be some...
0: It's complete Yeah. So I realize that while mutual fund penetration is the problem, so distribution is key. So it will continue to expand. While if I look at a 5-10 year view, there's a massive opportunity to build a technology stack wherein on one side you bring in advisors who can create portfolios for different demographics, investment strategies and all and market segments. And on the distribution side, if you could take extend how a open broking would look like where you can integrate with a broker's trading app if you connect the interconnect this entire value chain so from product creation to the execution in the client account we are talking about panel to mutual fund a different investment instrument available to retail investor and advisory which is broader portfolio what we call as wealth baskets so that Technology, we started building back. So when I quit my job in 2016, March, I started building it from 2016 onwards. And in 2018, we first launched the platform. So what we are essentially as a platform, we are a B2B2C platform. On the B2B, we enable portfolio managers, semi licensed entities who can manage portfolio, who can do advisory and research. They come, they create platform portfolios on our wellness business platform. It's a SaaS platform. And on the distribution side, what we do, we open this consumer channel inside the broker's app. Or even outside also where you can log in with the broker. Where customers can discover these portfolios under advisory and or research model. And they can pay a fee and invest in these portfolios. And this model portfolio category is something which we have enabled in the B2B2C segment. So parallel to mutual funds and PMS under advisory. For the first time, retail investors can get into managed portfolios on broking. So, the shift at the broking level is like this. When you open a broker account or when you're an existing broking customer, most likely you do transactional, the transaction, you invest in stocks at different times and exit. Typically, most of the people are not well versed when to enter, when to exit specific stocks and try time the market, right? What happens is after a point, they end up exiting the winners very quickly or having losers for a long time. And that's why most of the broking accounts, especially investor side, they get dormant after a while because they burn their fingers because they don't know how to make systematically money. But the same customer would have done reasonably well in the mutual fund space because he invested in the right fund, managed by a smart fund manager. So on broking for the first time, if you open this managed portfolio to a retail investor, what is happening is that the same customer who instead of finding stocks, investing in managed portfolios, which are managed by people who know how to do it and replicate the underlying portfolio still in their own broking account, so they know hold the underlying stock which they want to but and gradually in that portfolio whenever there is a change, manager makes it, you get the update, you know, one touch, approval buy some to do it and systematically you are getting into a portfolio based investing strategy in broking that is very important in India because as broking gets commoditized and gets to a larger retail community it is very important to create a category of investing in the broking so that the people eventually make wealth systematically like they move on to a mutual fund. Because if you look at the ultra segment, PMS, portfolio management services, all AIF category 3s. These are portfolio based strategies, which is only available to 50 lakh, one crore plus ticket size customers. Retail investors cannot have that product because they can't have that much of capital to deploy. Imagine democratizing that capability with that kind of offering at a retail investor level through a wellness platform. That is what we are powering. And because of platform play, you can scale this at a very effective way and make sure superlative wealth solutions are available to retail investors. So that's the vision. We are working and building this platform.
1: Okay, so let me again break it down a bit. So what you're saying is that most... Investors who open a zero-dollar account end up becoming inactive after a couple of months because they are not professional investors, and so they will face some loss, and because of which they will get demotivated and they go inactive after some duration. So, really, like that retail—that uh, retail level investment is not a mass market product. It's for people who have the time and the patience to learn, study, and continuously follow news about stocks, so on and so forth. And for people who make money, they are people who are HNI's who use a portfolio manager who is able to do all this work of tracking stocks and deciding what to buy, when to buy, what to sell, when to sell, and so on and so forth. So you have made it possible for a regular retail investor who's not an HNI to get access to that kind of sophisticated portfolio manager who is constantly researching and taking decisions about what to buy, what to sell, when to buy, when to sell, and so forth. And the way you're doing this is the, the advisor, the portfolio manager can create a model portfolio on Welldesk and he can continuously update that model portfolio and that gets connected. And as a retail investor, I can subscribe to any of the model portfolios available there. Maybe these model portfolios could be based around some theme, like it could be, for example, tech or digital or so on and so forth. So based on the theme, based on the reputation of the portfolio manager, I could subscribe to a particular portfolio and therefore then it becomes passive investing for me. It is almost like investing in a mutual fund because in a mutual fund also it's the same. You put in money and a mutual fund manager is doing that. But here there is more flexibility and or like what is the difference between investing in a mutual fund and investing in a or subscribing to a portfolio from a well desk portfolio manager
0: yeah so from a well basket if you invest in a modern portfolio or a well basket the fact is the underlying stocks stays with you in your booking account so you have complete transparency of the underlying stocks which is and you while in case of mutual fund you invest in the fund while the underlying constituent you get to see the disclosures every month but you are investing in that fund while you're not broking your objective is to get directly exposure to these companies so, model portfolio or well basket ensures that you continue to follow fund structure or a portfolio structure, but the underlying stocks are with you in your demat account. So that's one thing. So, complete trust. That's just a technical
1: difference, now. as an investor, the color of money is green always. Na? It doesn't matter. So,
0: yeah. So the other thing is that the other important thing is that you. So for the kind of portfolios accessibility through a model portfolio versus a mutual fund actually are very different. So, for example, today when we look at and people say, should I do wealth baskets or mutual funds or should I do both? The idea is very simple. You continue to do your mutual fund, but you open a broker with some investment objectives, right? You want to get exposure to some specific sectors, teams or stocks or segments for which you might not be an equity mutual fund also. So for these nuanced exposures, what people are doing is they are investing in these managed portfolios of smart managers around, let's say, as you rightly said, tech, digital. So these are even some sectoral sectors. And this one interesting thing we are seeing is ETF investing. So if you look at individual ETFs like an FT50 ETF or a 50 next 50 or a mid-cap or a US ETF like a NASDAQ or an S&P, individual ETFs, you can go and invest and track money on that, and that you be so who booking. But with the same ETFs, get gets into different well baskets around, let's say you want to create a portfolio around India, US or gold and equity. Those weighing schemes that by smart managers. When you get in portfolios, the like underlying ETFs are scientifically weighted. And defending different, different market conditions, the weight keeps changing, tilting in the right way, keeping the macro economy and micro economy as what manager decide. You tend to outperform the individual ETFs performance. And that is a very change that we are seeing. That ETF and baskets are creating a new portfolio construction strategy available and retail investment level using the simple ETFs. Which can create systematic wealth for you at a very nominal cost. So those kind of stuff you can do a parallel to mutual fund. So in the overall asset allocation as a retail investor, you open a broker account to get exposure to stocks ETFs instead of doing directly which you are not smart enough to follow till the end, getting this managed portfolio the right way. While you continue to invest in a mutual fund from a long-term strategy, like some of the funds which you know according to the So it's a it's a coexisting market. And the other thing is. The liquidity-wise, you can withdraw money from these wealth baskets anytime. So real-time redemption is there. So always there for you. So that flexibility is always there.
1: Okay. So there is this concept called portfolio theory, which basically says that investing in multiple non-correlated set of assets will earn you more in the long-term than just doubling down on one single asset. Like you, you invest in a company which makes umbrellas and you also invest in a company which makes caps. On on sunny days, caps will sell. On rainy days, umbrellas will sell. So you are diversifying. So the same thing now you're saying is the reason why somebody would choose a wealth basket for more diversity. Whereas a traditional mutual fund will say offer you only exposure to India or more generically, say mid-cap or uh, small cap and so on. But in the wealth basket, you could get something which is exposing you to, say, India and US, as you said, or India equity plus commodity like gold you give an example so that that is something which can give you more benefits in in the long term so that is one reason and the second reason is mutual funds you cannot have, say, thousands of mutual funds around different themes, but you can have thousands of wealth baskets around different themes. Somebody was to just say that, okay, I believe insurance is the next big thing. So you can have a wealth basket which is around insurance only, but you can't have a mutual fund which is focused on insurance. So that long tail, more options, that is the other thing which basket gives.
0: Correct because the yeah, mutual funds are created with a very larger objective to create mass retail product. So, if when it comes to concentrated exposure, nuance exposure, or very innovative portfolios that can come through well baskets, and one other trend that we are seeing on our platform the PMS firms who were only ticket serving the entire HNI segment of family offices, they are realizing there is a, there's a mass affluent retail building up and they can't access 50 lakh one crore, but still they can manage a smaller ticket size portfolio. So, these premium managers are not the to retail because through platforms they can open these smart portfolios to retail investors, and that is a democratization in true sense where you are bringing significantly better wins to portfolios to the retail investor. So that retail investors wants it, but he cannot access it now, he can access it because the ticker size is the problem. So that is also
1: for a like a talented portfolio manager. The previous option was to focus on big ticket uh, or like the big fish uh, because you earn more there. Like you would rather want somebody who can give you one crore than somebody who will give you one lakh because you earn more there. But with this product, by creating portfolio on Wealth Basket, he can actually get 1,000 investors who are each putting in one lakh each uh, because his he doesn't need to personally do the servicing. That client servicing, the time investment, is and scale them. It is completely gone now. Got it. Okay.
0: So the heavy lifting is done by the platform to facilitate this entire value chain. while On both sides, the regulated entity is one regulated entity who is creating the portfolio, the other regulated entity is executing in the client's account. So all they are interconnected in an interoperable tech. And actually, if you look at our current vision, what we are calling ourselves as the unified wealth interface for top of brogings slash transaction platform. We are bringing all these stakeholders into an interoperable tech layer. One party is doing portfolio construction, or they are the value creators, so and the other party is ensuring that value gets into your account. And this entire pipe is what we are building as a platform in What are the assets
1: covered under wealth baskets? You said exposure to gold. How would that happen? So gold ETFs. So here, okay, gold ETFs. Okay.
0: Yeah. Right now, the instruments are telling assets on which your manager can create portfolios is stocks and ETFs. We are in the process to even bringing, by the way, mutual funds also in next year, where you can package mutual funds well baskets also. Because there's a reason for that. If you look at the ultra HNI segment, most of the ultra fund, the guy with a huge amount of purpose, when they invest, right? Even the mutual funds have not looked in isolation. You look at a bunch of mutual funds with defined weights with the overall asset allocation. Retail investors look at still look at individual mutual funds. He might end up doing a tax saver, he might end up doing a large cap, he might end up doing a mid-cap or without any significant result, with the scientific reason with a scientific reason also in some places. So, what idea is that even these advisors can package these mutual funds also in a very scientific way for different investment objectives and open it to retail investors? So that also becomes a well basket. So packaging layer under the wealth basket is about what you rightly said, is to bring that multi-asset value to the retail investor with efficient execution, which is a very heavy problem to solve, and complex problem. But that's the journey we are going through as a platform.
1: I would have thought Mutual Fund would be easy to do. There are so many apps offering you to sale purchase of Mutual Fund and all. Like, why is Mutual Fund coming in so late?
0: Actually, good point. Actually, at some point, if I would have started packaging platform technology to package Mutual Funds, bunch of mutual fund and a portfolio and open it to a retail industry it was an easier problem to solve. But we took the difficult problem because advisory-led portfolio construction and retail investors using direct stocks and in India was a challenging and it was a very critical need of the market. When it comes to broking account, you are talking about direct stock and ETF exposure. So important to bring that. Portfolio. And then mutual fund. So mutual fund is not a challenge. It's a journey which will bring him
1: down. Got it. Uh, mutual fund is very me too. If you would have started with that, you would have been facing like Companies like, say, Deserve and uh, all these, which are like, uh, have raised a fair amount of funding and all of that.
0: Such companies are actually not our competitor. They're actually our partner because he has a platform enabler. We work with every stakeholder in the country, like on the manager side, on the execution side. So technically, all our partners. How is Deserve your partner? So technically, Deserve can actually, for example, Deserve or media, any other mutual fund platform can come now on a plug-and-play, and package portfolios and open it to their investors. And they focus on their core competency, which is portfolio conception, asset allocation and all that. So as a platform enabler, we, we are trying to become some heavy lifters of this entire value chain. And each party can their own mutual exclusive strengths and join them, which means that everybody is your partner. No, but
1: Deserve is doing both, right? They are acquiring customers on the one hand, so they are building that capability, plus they are saying we will manage your wealth for you. What part are you saying? L- like you're saying that they will offer wealth management to more people or they will allow their customers to?
0: For this would be that, let's say they hold an RIA license, assuming so they can they can continue to acquire a channel independently through their own networks, for example, a company like this, but they can
1: acquire more customers through
0: not through the network effect is fundamental to platform businesses. Right? The portfolio managers from our platform and open their advisory portfolios. There's an ever-expanding distribution channel being created because we are integrating this every divide along so through broken partnerships. So, on board, secondly, it's like when a seller comes on Amazon, he doesn't need to care about I will serve only Mumbai and Maharashtra, for example, he can serve the entire pinpoints of the So, platform network effect is something which is cool to our business model.
1: Got it. What about exposure to global markets, say uh, exposure to US market and all?
0: So right now we have realized that there's a lot of good stuff happening to open global markets to retail investors in a very frictionless and at a cost-effective way. That's a very important part when it comes to retailizing global markets to Indian investors. So as that happens, which is a matter of time, it's happening even the good part is gift cities with open depository receipts where you can easily invest through existing broking channels. So that's a journey which is happening on the transactional side. What we are eventually right now focusing is that most of the critical global exposure can be very well done even today with ETFs. And when mutual funds come, they already have feeder funds, right? So, so that's the journey how we take taking. But eventually let's say a good, efficient, low cost, frictionless way of exposing directly to stocks and ETFs in global markets, we'll open that channel as and when the market is right. You're saying currently you can get global exposures through
1: ETF. How is that?
0: For so example, They are a bunch of listed ETFs in India which gives you exposure to Nasdaq, s for example. And it's far more comprehensive where have feed of funds from many of the global countries.
1: Okay, okay. Got it. So you're saying essentially right now what you can offer is only something which a customer can buy on a da or any of the broking apps and... Right now, these apps don't offer people to, for example, directly buy a Twitter stock. Therefore, uh, you cannot really offer that as an asset class. Uh, and but that is in process. Like it will uh, eventually.
0: That is not even we can directly integrate with somebody who opens global markets. But we are not taking that path because even with that journey, there's a cost, there's a friction. There's no point doing something just for the sake of doing. Right? We need to do it. It's not mainstream yet. Yeah. Yeah. And anyways you can get the right asset allocation exposure. See, leave the adrenaline rush of that. Okay, I need to hold a Tesla stock or a Twitter stock. Versus I need to have exposure to which tech stocks. There's a way to do that with the current universe. So that's what we are looking at. Right? The platform enabler and even our managers and brokers understand that. So they believe in that model. Now you said the fundamental
1: advisory model is you pay a fixed fees. How does that money transfer happen from the from a user to a portfolio manager who's created a model portfolio on Wealthdesk?
0: There are two touch points. So one is the manager collects fee on the portfolio when you invest. So that fee collection happens directly from the customer to the manager.
1: Okay, which means he's telling his existing customers that I have created this way for you to subscribe to my services. Just pay me and you can subscribe through zero. Then probably there'll be some coupon code or something which he will give to his customers. Or
0: how will it happen? Yeah, like if you want to promote more at a very cost-effective, so that's a campaign part of it. But yeah, the fee collection happens from the customer to the manager and then you invest regularly. Like how would you do it with your broker in the underlying portfolio by putting the broking account and executing the stock in your broking account?
1: So that is one way direct collection. What is the other way? If a 0 user discovers this concept and wants to subscribe to a portfolio,
0: yeah. So our platform strategy is very simple. So as a manager, when you come and create your portfolio, there are three channels. One is on a broking app, your customers can discover these portfolios. Broking customers can discover these portfolios by inside the brokers app, and they can invest, pay a fee, and invest in these portfolios. They will pay the fees to
1: wealth desk. How will that fees?
0: feed directly to the manager through the payment manager. There's a flow through which they pay directly to the manager.
1: Right. Okay. okay. So, so you're not coming in between there, but if zero is integrated...
0: Yeah, we are a technology service provider in that bandwidth chip. So we neighbor those gateways and all. And, but... Uh, the whole lead is like customer pays to the manager so just to clarify first way is that inside the broker's app your portfolio gets discovered and customer can invest in it the second is like a shopify we open a direct consumer sites as an enabler for the manager for their portfolio to get discovered so through these direct to consumer channels the manager's portfolio gets discovered and customer can invest again from that same channel and by logging in the broker like a payment gateway and executing their stocks by going with a payment gateway kind of journey, which we power it through our vendors gateway. So that is to the, directly to the manager, like a Shopify. So that's it. And third, obviously, these portfolios are discoverable in different distribution channels where customers are coming to find right products and stuff. For example, we're just going live in a full-service bank who are very big on wealth in India, they are going into retail. So we are opening, they are opening multi-asset products, including mutual funds, bonds, and direct stock, based portfolio. So we are powering that journey. There, you are open architecture on manager side, these distributors, where they open these different managers, and open architecture on the booking side, where you can log in with any broker and invest in these portfolios. Like, you how would you make that? To the from different AMCs. So that kind of businesses are being created on our back zone.
1: Okay, interesting. interesting. So, in the Shopify product, basically, the wealth manager gets a custom domain uh, which he can circulate. Say, if I'm a, if I'm an influencer on YouTube, then I can share a link with my followers that uh, follow my strategies, and that link can be powered by Wealthdesk, basically.
0: Yeah, the only disclaimer that whoever is that financial influencer, he should be semi-licensed. Yes.
1: Uh, right, yeah. Obviously, yeah. So that would be part of your onboarding process, right? You would make sure that...
0: Yeah, as a platform enabler, we only onboard semi registered intermediaries. So that is a very specific process to get.
1: You would do that KYC to make sure that they ha- have the license. So KYC
0: is a very regulated word. We don't the onboarding checks, screenings, and then the onboard. And anyways, the, the distributing party is regulated, the, on- the manager is regulated. So they, it naturally fits the platform journeys in charge that. They
1: are only separate correct okay so I understood what the managers are getting out of this deal what are the distribution apps getting out of this deal you gave two separate examples one is Zeruda, one is this bank which is getting into retail tell me what what is in it for them
0: Yeah, so from a broking standpoint, it is very simple, right? So today your core business models are built around transactions, right? And as industry moves uh, where you want to provide right value to your client account to make money versus trying to increase transaction volumes, to increase your business so we're transactional led broking to more value or advisory led broking. There, this portfolio is well when customers are getting the right advice. And from your business standpoint, you continue to make transactional businesses, but epic or the core is still advisory, so versus just focusing only on transaction So that shift ensures you continue to make good business, but the value proposition is towards client, which is getting the right advice.
1: Yeah, your customers are stickier.
0: So that's if you go back to the original thing that I told about the 2013 RI. So we are ready to. So that journey we are picking up, right? So that's one. The second thing is on the broking, As I told you, that dormant, active, inactive account gets fast, go fast. So now immortality rates, stickiness is coming, but systematically I'm making it a very smart managed portfolio, and that's the right approach to actually investing in markets. So brokers are trying to get the right and client who is actually ready to pay you for the right advice. And from a broking standpoint, your customers are getting serious about their wealth management at the broking
1: level. So, yeah. so what does a broker need to do to get wealth baskets on their platform? Do they does the trading happen in an automated way? If I subscribe to a basket through ZeroDha, then every time the basket is updated, the key reason why I would subscribe is because I want somebody to actively manage. So actively manage means that there would be some update, buy this, sell this, so does that happen through an automated way?
0: No. So as per advisory regulations, when you invest in a portfolio, you need to give an approval for the underlying execution. And you, it is on your, basically, and you decide which broker you want to execute with. So that's one. The second is, if for following rebalancing updates, you get notifications from the managers through the platform. You go to your broker login and do a one touch approval. So that is not automated because that's what I want.
1: Okay. And this is a regulatory reason that you can't automate this.
0: Yes, See, otherwise, see, there's a parallel debate going in the industry around algo trading. SEBI is very clear that algo trading to retail investors should be under the right framework protection. And one of the reasons is that these automated strategies are there, which does not fit to the regulatory guidelines in a line way. So that's always a debatable point. From a portfolio, model portfolio basket's point of view when it comes to retail investors, every trade they have to go touch consent based approvals and through their own choice of broker logging so as per the building right, right.
1: guidelines. say uh, i give you the example of et money which also offers this advisory service they charge 2 300 rupees a month and, uh, for portfolio management uh, is it automated there or there also you have to manually
0: balance I think you have to manage balance whenever they every balance following the right regulatory guidelines it will be always one touch of it. okay and the difference between
1: what et money is doing is essentially they are building both paths together like they're saying that we will do portfolio management through research and all, but we will also acquire customers directly. And what you're doing is you're bringing in stakeholders for each of these parts separately. Like you are disintermediating this in a way. Not disintermediate is not the right word, but you're
0: yes. So yeah, so for us, or any such use case can take the same portfolio and open to network through our instead of directly acquiring, they can also go into network effects or platform. Okay.
1: So, how does wealth test current?
0: So, we uh, for the uh, because as a platform enabler, because we enable this entire value chain, we take a platform fee for this from the manager and a platform fee the token.
1: Okay, is, is it a fixed fee or is it per transaction or how is it priced?
0: Whenever there's a transaction being processed to our platform, we like typically have payment gateway charges. Where right? there's the a processing fee or a platform.
1: G- give me an example
0: like, for example, if a manager is Collecting a fee uh, or ensuring a subscription of a mail basket through our platform. Let's say they mix, make, uh, let's say, 100 rupees. We take, let's say, 30 rupees or twenty rupees processing. And what about when they are updating? No, when they are updating, there's no charge. It's only when there's a fresh money or a fresh fee being collected from the customer.
1: So you are only taking from subscription, the no. that advisory fees. That is, you're taking a cut from that. That's it. You're not taking a cut. On on trading on updates, all of those are like th- those are not things that you're taking a cut from.
0: No, no, not yet. So on the broking, we take a transaction fee that get processed through the broker, uh, which is again linked as a platform fee.
1: Well, give me an example of that. What you take from the broker?
0: So broker, when we open the technology see, on a broker, we put a very it's a very deep integration because we need to integrate with the broking engines, right? Place orders to get the and manage the entire platform dedicatedly for that bunker as a consumer channel. So for that entire thing, we say that for every wealth well basket transaction that gets process to you, we can give us a flag ca or something. So that's the platform that we take for broker.
1: Now what is a wealth basket transaction here? Are you talking of subscription transaction or even Balancing,
0: so just subscription transaction. If there's any fresh money that gets invested through world basket, on rebalancing, we for the next regular updates on a, because on a broking channel there's a transaction being processed. We we used to charge transaction fee, but now what we are doing is that we are keeping it simple from a broking standpoint. That when you pay for when you somebody infuse cap fresh capital into the portfolio adds money to the broking, then only we charge a transaction fee to the broker.
1: Okay. But uh, although most of these broking apps have zero brokerage, no? this is zero that will not charge, will not earn anything from you when you invest. They learn only when you sell. They don't earn anything when you buy. But in this case, you are saying that whenever a customer buys, then I will charge.
0: That's an evolving question that we are having with brokers. I mean, They understand that we provide, we are the platform heavy lifters to drive this value chain. So what's the right business economics for the broker? So it's a work in progress. Basically, for a
1: broker, even though when someone is investing one lakhs, they're not paying anything to zero that today. But that one lakh will eventually get rebalanced, it will get sold, and that is where then that will start earning. There is a long-term earning for it. So therefore they are happy to pay you every time you increase their assets under management.
0: Correct. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's an evolving landscape. Like all the uh, everybody that's saying finally at the the good part of this whole uh, problem statement is that the end customers are being looked very holistically to add value to their accounts whether it's from a manager standpoint or from a broker standpoint and if that customer immortality rate increases from working standpoint so as you rightly said it's long-term plan of action so both the parties are understanding see as a platform we have we incur a heavy cost to deploy such massive platforms and such massive volume so we need to run a sustainable business. Okay. How do you ensure that
1: a broking partnership is leading to conversions? Say you integrate with Zerodha. How do you ensure that integration is leading to conversions? People are actually discovering and signing up that real revenue is happening. How do you ensure that? Because Zerodha could put it in some corner. Say in the PTM app, there are like literally probably a thousand products that you can explore over there that you would only see maybe... Top 10 products.
0: It's a good. Actually, that's a problem. Like, a lot of brokers come in this thing called marketplace of apps or different products. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We already are talking about 7,000 stock universe, which are so crowded for a retail investor. Now, there's another 100 apps. You need to discover some might be overlapping. So generally, what we have seen, and this is... Purely based on the platform statistics. The brokers who have understood that portfolio investing is a core value proposition to my investor community, like how I enabled direct stocks, FNO, community, currency, and model portfolios, I looked like this as a category, and they have integrated this platform in their journeys, and they've opened into the investment to understand what a portfolio based investing could do to your lives. There, we are seeing a very good growth. And which are these mostly? I'm not named specific brokers because I work with so many mm-hmm. brokers, but full service brokers, regional brokers, discount brokers who have done that right across all segments high ticket size, lower ticket size, who have actually made this as a core value proposition to their investor community. They are seeing the benefits that. Customers are seeing the benefits, brokers are seeing the benefits, and managers are getting the assets.
1: What are the top three brokers from where you get traffic, from where you get subscribers?
0: Our uh, biggest uh, traffic drivers have been full-service brokers where the customers are actually w- well-informed. Give me an example. What is a full-service Full-service broker for example, I have just not named specifics, but maybe let's say an Anand Rati or a Lal of the world or the IS securities, the IFNs and the access securities of the world. The When customers want big, they know they want to invest in the right products. So We're seeing what track on those platforms.
1: Okay, okay. Got it. These traditional firms, these are full-service brokers.
0: No, even we work with discover brokers also, where we are part of the poor offering. Actually, case is more difficult for customers first time into market and they eventually tend to go wrong quickly and they become dormant. So there and many of the new accounts, you know, the growth has been higher on the discount booking online only brokers. So there, these portfolio is not packaged like another app offering or a marketplace offering versus core value proposition in the journeys. Are, what is the best to get into direct stocks and ETFs and they get these right portfolios of stocks or ETFs. There we are seeing that incremental money that the customer is putting into his portfolio is increasing and he's more confident about investing. So that is definitely even on discount brokerage.
1: Right now you have got product market fit, right? What are the indicators which tell you, you have got product market fit? What numbers do you track?
0: Full factor say. the top managers want to be on the platform to serve the retail community and brokers are coming to us directly.
1: Give me some numbers also, no? Like. How many managers uh, are there? What is the monthly sign-ups and-
0: so the number of managers? Actually, we tend to actually keep it low in terms of because of our screening criteria. What has happened? We just focus on corporate entities, managers' history, and all that. So that means that number does not grow like a SaaS business. So we are uh, low number does not mean we are not doing really right. Low no number will mean that the,
1: it's highly curated.
0: The basic checks ensure that you have. A finite market on the anyways, if you look at some of the numbers that I think there are only 1300 registered entities who can advise and all so not small big number in the scale of India. So that number is anyway small. On the broking side, what is happening is that smaller, smaller brokers, regional brokers, Big brokers, bank based brokers, full service brokers, discount brokers, all are coming to us that we want to integrate the platform into our co offering. And that's a natural thing that we are seeing as a business. Which means that we are doing something right for the entities. Investor level awareness is picking up as a category to look at how you could look at mutual funds. How would you look no direct stock investing, how you should invest in modern portfolios. That awareness is picking up. This, Slightly better with highly aware customers across broking, broking segments where they have opened a demand account before and they know how they would have done wrong things which they were trying to avoid by getting into product portfolio. So there, there's an organic growth happening. First investors going through their journey with the right intent that it's better to start with a portfolio way than direct stock. So that awareness is minimum really and it all converts into a good, decent growth story. We The numbers to track from a manager point is how much assets we are cl- and we're getting across all parts.
1: Assets under management.
0: Assets under advisory. Yeah. And for a broking standpoint.
1: Assets under advisory. Okay.
0: Broking standpoint, you might just look at what's the kind of demand account assets that are being, coming into your broking through these portfolios.
1: But you've not shared any numbers with me so far. Like, what are your assets under advisory or what? Or, what? I
0: think the last month, I mean, the September closing, we must have somewhere around I think, 1,200 or 1,300 crores of EUA. At the platform level and how many paying
1: subscribers and customer or investor?
0: We only have
1: fee based customers at the platform.
0: With the free, there are some free some which by some managers which are free, but that's not a big number for us. I don't know the exact number.
1: But how, how many customers, like how many investors?
0: So we might have about a lakh plus customers across our platform.
1: Amazing, amazing. Okay. Okay, got it. Cool. That gives me a good idea. And by the end of this year, how many brokerage apps will you be on? Like you said, there's a lot of, you're getting a lot of inbound interest. So what do you think by the end of this year? Yeah, so
0: I think 50 plus already active works like, and think- it's, 370. The good part is a platform. We have been very clear about one thing. We are not just looking at the top 10, 15 or digital first brokers. We want to expand the market to bring even small brokers into the foray because they serve a the community. Because there is a customer who sees that branch and wants to open an account and they also need to be served right. So that way, the of the broking side, we are very clear that we want to capture a larger market in terms of market segments so we see see the benefits of vision very rightly and uh, we also bringing in a lot of capabilities on our wellness business platform on an assisted model to make somebody understand a portfolio investing and provide them an assisted journey to get into this portfolio more like an offline to online play that also we are investing heavily because there's a large investor community who doesn't want to come on the app on their own and invest
1: is there such a thing as an offline broker? How does that work? Like you. No,
0: offline is more like you call your broker and they have a dealer, then you say, and buy this, buy that on a recorded line. There's a hard market there, and even if you do online, some people call them, Some basic guy and say that I want to invest in this. How does it look like? And all that. There is a there is a touch point. See beyond once you increase your ticket size, right? Or and and
1: this works on trust. Like you tell your broker, so like he'll already have money in a wallet of yours, or you will send him the money.
0: Money is still in the looking ledger. Money even.
1: So there'll be a DMAT account which the broker is managing, and that DMAT account will have money in it, and. The broker will run it. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay. Okay.
0: Okay. So that's converting our offline to online business platform technology. So what are you building there? Like to
1: get these people.
0: So to make it more efficient on this assisted journeys led by managers or brokers, where customers can understand and then get into these portfolios through their in the right way.
1: So for these offline brokers, like they would like probably recommend to a customer in person कि ये ye wealth basket product has uh subscribe. Yeah,
0: the customers will discover on their platform and then they will call and they will understand and then they will get into these portfolios.
1: And then they will just call and tell the broker ki ye update kardo, or the broker will call them and say portfolio the uh, portfolio is due for updation and then, uh, they, they will say yes. So
0: they get these updates and then they can in both ways they can assist and help them execute that.
1: Yeah, got it. Tell me the journey part of it now. So we've talked a lot on the product and the stakeholders in the product. How did you start? Did you start with your savings and bootstrapped it? And Because this is like a... Heavy investment in tech, kind of a product, right? To build these pipes would not have been easy, I'm sure. So tell me about the journey.
0: Yeah, actually, the interesting part in downsides, currently going through a lot of market, growth. like the booster businesses are actually coming out stronger. So we started bootstrap. So I, when I started in 2016, when I actually realized that it's not a one year, two year growth, trajectory that I can show to an investor. It's a long event. It's a vision of 10 years, for example. I bootstrapped it.
1: You were very clear on this vision from day one or did the vision evolve? The
0: vision was very clear. In terms of the only changing moving model was the regulatory landscape keep changing. So, from a journey standpoint, what who can do what, how to demarket. For example, between 2016 and 2021 change came that brokers can't be advisors or if they are advisors, they can make money on one side. So, that separate segregation came in. So, they are independent advisors, they are independent Google. The good part is that the platform, who are already stitching the story. So, we actually been on the right side of regulation, actually, or whether the platform we did. So, very clear, but from day one, that we wanted to build this with a very long term view. And interestingly, if I look at the time when I started, there was a lot of VC money push around mutual fund businesses to build consumer brands and all that. Most would say that, why I are mean, you not doing the mutual fund? It's an easier problem to solve, right? There's an infrastructure out there and all that. But it was very clear as a vision that as India expands the broking market, this is inevitable. The regulator would want a business like this to flourish because it said it has a good intent to make money at the built account level so in a managed model. So we were very clear. So bootstrapped it from 2016 to 2020. Not easy for me because I come from a lower middle-class background. So that transition to think that okay, you can actually build a business because you know what you're building. And hard poor computer science guy, I can build architect this the business with the right team. So it was very clear. Money, obviously, building an IP, though it is very expensive, but it is not crazy. For example, with five ten crore rupees, you can build a great technology over a period. Then compound on it, take market feedback. So 2016 to 18, bootstrap did for the first customer paying customer. So that flywheel effect started building up. Cost was always low. With the right team, not like crazy hiring and stuff. Very calculated, so, very small team, very focused objectives. Till 2020 when COVID came in. Like we have seen the flywheel effect both on the manager side, on the broker side, and we realized that some massive, massive growth. So 2020, somewhere we took a first round of funding, around 25 watt cumulative funding, crores of cumulative funding we took. And that was working really well, all good. Then at some point, as you might have heard, that PhonePay has banked us recently. So again, PhonePay came up with the same mindset, saying, as a business, you are one of the first technology first businesses in India who's trying to build a such a heavy deep tech in well segment. We really value such businesses. We want to back you to build this interoperable tech pipe that you're building for the industry. And that was management events. So it took a while and then joined hands. So it's very fortunate that. Businesses like ours started Bootstrap, got the product market fit with honest intent and then got a backing now with such institutional internet tech player like Phonebay. So yeah, things are going good if you want to build business with a 10-year view also now in India. Was the
1: decision to not take funding a choice or was it just that you found it very hard to raise capital and so you decided not to... Like.
0: No, so actually raising capital in 1670 was not difficult because space was picking up payment insurance, all that was getting very, easy, lending especially. So else was anyways, you know, even today there are hardly any meaningful companies doing meaningful stuff, right? Even today, it's not easy space, right? So, and especially with the kind of background we had, money would not have been a challenge. But the challenge I will tell you was that if I take very high momentum, high velocity capital, right? You need to grow at that scale and you might end up making mistakes. And building a technology first business is the first principle thinking is that you need to protect your vision. So that means that you have to make some hard choices. It is not easy. It is not easy when money is out there, right? We took that for example, some of the most like poster companies, most uh, when you talked about Zenonza, for example, when Bootstrap, I mean, they would have also been able to raise, but they did not raise it because the kind of approach they are taking to building that business is very tech-first, very long-term, very market-dealing. Whatever be the situation will survive, we'll grow. That is something which is cultural to me, like as a founder. Like, outgrew me, outpace me, my life. That was the passion, not like raise capital, get that funding news out, and then grow. Call of Duty at my level.
1: Congratulations on the phone pay acquisition. I believe they valued you at about $50 million, which is pretty amazing, considering that you have raised only, I think, four or five million till date before the acquisition. So, like for the investors, it must have been a pretty good exit.
0: Yeah, so actually valuation numbers, I don't know where you have got it. Which, which, uh, I'm not going to comment on that number this side or that side. But we have not raised, we have typically raised not more than 25 crores, Out of which I can tell you honestly, we have not burned even like 60-70% of that when, when we were talking. So we had good burn to actually, good money in the bank account to continue to burn the way we were burning. So the phone... Backing is largely built on the principles of building tech-first businesses and wealth. So culturally, we all are aligned like PhonePay, like Samir, Rahul and Z when we sat down and, and, Jeev, and, Saiton, and he, they told me all to back you and, and it is a natural evolution for building an interoperable tech pipe. Culturally, we understand tech-first business. So patient capital and continuous long-term vision is fundamental. So that connected well with PhonePay. So that's that's where we are today.
1: I would have thought that a broking... Company would find you more at appealing as an acquisition. Phonepe doesn't offer broking, right? Like, how would Phonepe leverage this for their customer base?
0: Phonepe today, if you look at it, Phonepe have a wealth business in the form of mutual fund distribution, and they Phonepe will have its own plans around wealth space eventually. And as a platform, what phone pay values is the fact that building interoperable tech or something like a unified wealth interface vision of the broking layer is a very strong, very institutional, very India focused play that which is largely technology led, and they value that vision very well. So, that's and wellness can grow very, very well on its own. So, that's something which we understand as an investor or as a backer. So obviously, they will use this platform for their investment capacities like a regular partner. The fact is, by the way, Akshay, wealth management is now being talked like, can there be an internet scale wealth management playing in India? platform like ours.
1: What does that mean? Internet scale?
0: In the sense, like, can you bring wealth management kind of offering to a retail investors in, in millions of accounts? That was not there. Transactionally, we are there. Like broking is now there. Right? So, And platform like ours, the core strength and the vision is built on those principles. So, and phone pays and actual market well they are internet scale thinkers. So,
1: yeah. So. Okay, got, it, got it. They're not looking at like an EVJ monetization through their customer base, but they're looking at this as a long-term play that this is the kind of business that they would like to be in, basically.
0: Yeah, don't want to comment on the evolution of how that business of OnePay will work out. But as purely from a backing point of view, has nothing to do with the OnePay side of things, but more to do with World's vision is pretty pretty solid from a long-term world. Of-
1: so what do you think you'll be doing 10 years from now? Post-acquisition, a lot of founders then after a year or two or three you would look at a second inning and what's in the pipeline for you?
0: Actually, if you look at it, the second inning within this business has just started. like the kind of opportunity that I could see for next five years. Actually, I couldn't see five years before.
1: What do you see like the five-year opportunity? What are some of those things which are making you excited?
0: So one of the things is obviously has... There will be many retail investors who, for a better wealth management solution, they pay. And if you are a platform enabler in that segment, there's a massive market to build up. The second is, in the entire value chain, like, there's a massive innovation happening to make transactions more efficient, onboarding more efficient. I just heard like there's a change in ID Act to even allow digital POA, power of attorney, which means onboarding gets more seamless at the booking level. See? Government is also doing very exciting things. I I cannot imagine if you're an interoperable tech pipe connecting stakeholders in the ecosystem. Gregor doing so many great things around onboarding account, and a bunch of things But the opportunity is massive out in India. So as a computer science tech first founders, I, I can sleep actually thinking you next five years. Okay, so this is a follow-on
1: conversation based on something you just told me offline that most newspaper articles talk of uh, phone pay acquisition for Wealthdesk and OpenQ. You just told me that OpenQ, uh, you're also the founder of OpenQ. So tell me about that. <laughs> If
0: you look at our business evolution when we started in 2016 and 2018 when we went live. we started looking at managers who were creating these portfolios. Most of the managers were active style researchers in the sense they used to actively understand which stock to put in the portfolio and build the portfolio. Coming from my MSCI background where I've seen passive factor-based or cohort-based or smart beta-based portfolio tracking enormous a lot. Of-
1: what is this smart beta-based, cohort-based? What, what do these words mean?
0: So yeah, good. So Technically, these are of active research time only. In the sense when you say that this stock is a good quality stock. So you use quality as a so quality definitely you have some mathematical understanding at the at the company level, right? How do you identify a stock as a good quality stock? But there you know this stuff called value investing. This stock has a lot of value.
1: Warren Buffet's
0: Yeah, yeah. there is this factor called momentum. given momentum portfolios. There are a lot of well baskets on momentum. So momentum is a factor. So momentum, size, size large-cap, mid-cap, small-case is a factor. Quality is a factor. Value is a factor. Dividend yield is a factor. These factors are nothing but active research styles, which managers do on their own discretion, can be modeled through academic research. Very well researched in developed markets where you can identify how good quality factor can be created to identify the quality of a stock. Thousands of screening variables goes into these factors, you backtest, you build models which are called factor models or smart beta models. So when these factors are models are created, you run that of a stock universe, each stock has a score an on online distribution basis and using those scores you can create portfolio with a tilt to quality with a tilt to momentum with a tilt to value the best part is the models are far more nuanced far more comprehensive because they are fully built on massive amount of data which has no look-ahead bias no in bias no fund manager bias nothing and It can track very actively because these are modeled into a rule based engines. So they are like on a real-time basis. They are tracking that numbers very closely if you have the right data feeds, When these research gets into these portfolios, so that we call as a smart beta baskets like a momentum, quality. So
1: this is like using machine learning principles, right? So
0: you would... Yeah, so first principle is quantitative. Machine learning could be one of the other factors, but it is all quantitative statistical models. So like, for example, you would
1: see that in the last 10 years, let's say, Page Industries stock has done very well. And then there could be like, say, maybe 100 such stocks which have done well. And then you would have some data about these stocks. What what kind of data? You said there are 30 data points. What kind of data?
0: No, no. There are many data points around price, corporate actions, then fundamentals, earnings estimates.
1: Corporate action, like like, like whether this stock came in the news or whether there was some Stock split.
0: A stock post is own journey. For example, if you want to understand or a factor of how a stock has done well from, let's say, 2000 to 2022, you need to ensure these biases or corporate actions are also adjusted, right? Because then you will not be able to have a right type series. That is a very challenging problem to solve.
1: You can do apple to apple comparison if there's a stock split or.
0: So these are very challenging problem to solve. In order to build a very systematic uh, research-based portfolios, right? Some of the heavy lifting needs to be done at the data level to ensure no look at bias, no survivorship bias. You can do a time series analysis. And then how do you get fundamentals?
1: You said that data around fundamentals, like that would be on the balance sheet? Yeah,
0: so there are companies which provide these data feeds, right? Facts, native, Bloomberg. Earning personnel. Bloomberg, all these companies provide data. So they, they charge a lot, of, they charge amount of fee around these raw interfaces. You feed this into your research cloud, ensure your all these prices are sorted out, and then you are in a situation where you can actually do real research from backtesting point of view and
1: all. So th- this basically will give you correlation that these factors correlate with stock price going up, and therefore you can continue to look at the universe of stocks, and the model can then predict that. The factors which in the past have been correlated to high price are present for these stocks. So it is highly probable that this universe of stocks price will go up because those factors are moving in that way. Something like that.
0: Correct. So these are factor models. Yeah, that's what we call as factor models. And the other interesting part is that you can merge different factors. Say for example, you want to ride on momentum, but you want to stick to, let's say, quality stocks. So you weigh, weigh on quality factor and momentum factor in some mechanism. So you can create very good portfolios and all systematic rule-based and passively invest.
1: Momentum is like basically saying that if a stock is going up, then it will continue to go up purely because of momentum. Because people see it going up, so it's like mob psychology that everyone sees it going up. GameStop or something like that, like that would be a momentum. Correct.
0: But in that, in India, especially if you add the low volatility factor, low volatility factor is like that when the market goes up, you continue to play right on the momentum. But when market goes for steep fall, it's not like yours will not go fall, it will fall. But you taper down that fall with volatility, you ensure that the volatility factor is minimized. In your portfolio, so you can have that factor. When you mix both, you create a very good perform portfolio. So those things you can do very well, intelligently, completely. So like saying that a momentum
1: stock is a stock which will continue to go up, but high quality momentum stock is a stock which when the market turns, it will not crash. See, game stock was not a high quality stock, obviously. It will
0: crash, but it will crash lesser.
1: Right, it will crash lesser.
0: It will crash, it will crash faster. When it crashes to the recovery becomes faster. So, you eventually, in the longer run cycle, tend to outperform the market very well. So, yeah, these are factors. So, OpenQ, so 2018, we incubated OpenQ as one of the managers on our platform where the focus was very simple that as a manager, you bring these research ties into Indian stock portfolio universe for the broking community because most of the 99% managers are focusing on active stock picking bottom-up analysis, bringing quantitative smart beta factor and these research mechanism into Indian retail community. So that was the thesis OpenQ. Came out and 2018 to 2020, they first went live with their first portfolio. Three, two, three years went into the heavy lifting of data cleanup, building the right research cloud to cover with this kind of portfolio. So I found that with the same vision that as a platform, can we bring in these in the emerging. Research time segment into Indian markets. so that was the thesis. And what happened in 2022 when when we when phonepe back vendors so eventually uh, that open you also get acquired by phonepe and uh, as the advisory business got acquired. By them. And like you incubated as in you found
1: uh, a few people whom you got on as co-founders, and you were the you had the biggest stake.
0: Yeah, deep so Bodhi, who is an ex-MSCI, was doing this for global market. Before that, with Deutsche Bank in global markets, I got to join this as a strategic founder. And Founding team member to build this business and independently built this business, okay. and and we supported that through vendors' platforms to scale this, platform this up. And so,
1: okay, collectively, you would have the majority stake uh, in both these businesses, like. Maybe 60-70% is yours or something like that.
0: Yeah. So uh,
1: In wellness, you've not diluted much, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. So I've been a major majority shareholder. Yeah.
1: Amazing. Okay.
0: Cool. Uh, so are you like now
1: planning to become an angel investor? Because you have obviously got a lot of cash from this deal.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am actually actively investing. Not actively investing in very selective companies. I've all started in the like, sectors which I like.
1: And what kind of... Companies and sectors are you investing in?
0: I like drone tech, I like SaaS businesses, and I like heavy lifting infrastructure tech companies and
1: all like. Heavy lifting infrastructure tech, what does that mean?
0: Which means that we're trying to solve tangled long-term problems. Like, for example, wellness is a long-term problem, right? Which we solved for over years. So, which is not like we'll see a, a, an outcome immediately. But because I I ran through the, went through that journey, so any founders solving those challenging long-term problems, it's sometimes boring also in the shorter reps.
1: Like a web two to web three or those kind of.
0: That's a great 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 Like you could go and try Yeah. So those kind of. Things. And that brings us to
1: the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium.in. That's ad at t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-m